Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. All right, welcome to Noise Filter. This is Dr. Mark Allendary. Doc Griggs is not able to be with us today. So let's go ahead and get started. Vaccination and economics. Now, according to the New York Times, more economic damage, both high and low income countries, will come because of failed or slow vaccination rollouts in low income countries. It is more than just humanitarian efforts. An academic study by the International Chamber of Commerce shows a possible worst case scenario of higher income countries being fully vaccinated by around June and others not having that opportunity. Now, the studies show that there would be a $9 trillion loss in the global economy, costing mostly the U.S., Canada, and Britain. Economists explain that all economies are connected so that every country should prioritize an equitable distribution. Within nations, we are seeing how the pandemic has affected racially, socially, and economically marginalized communities. The higher income folks are more able to work from home, travel to vacation homes, and more. Globally, this doesn't work in international commerce. International suppliers in many different sectors are being negatively impacted by the pandemic, such as automotive, textiles, construction, and retail. Lower income countries reduce spending and sales for exporters in the higher income countries. There is diminished demand for commodities, which affected the copper producers in Zambia and the Democratic Republic of the Congo and consumers of oil in Angola and Nigeria. Now, we've also seen huge hits in tourism domestically, and it parallels Thailand, Indonesia, and the country that my family's from. I am a first-generation American because all my family's from Morocco, and yes, unfortunately, Morocco, my home country, (laughs) uh, has also been hit with respect to a lack of tourism. Now, there's also been a lot of pushback or failure from private creditors and international organizations to provide relief. The conversation amongst leaders has often been a moral one. How much can we help without hurting our people? The study is changing that conversation and putting emphasis on the reliance that high-income nations have on low-income nations and the importance that we need to vaccinate everybody. A rising tide lifts all ships. COVID-19 may cause lasting damage to the brain. Now, one of the most distinct symptoms of COVID-19 is the reported loss of smell and taste. This impairment isn't caused by congestion. Researchers at the University of Texas Health in San Antonio found that COVID was affecting the nerves that deliver information from the nose to the brain. COVID also conveyed other parts of the brain and have long-lasting effects. Patients hospitalized with COVID-19 reported recovering with symptoms associated with brain injury. They be forgetful and find it difficult to organize tasks. While most will recover brain function over time, a report in the journal Alzheimer's and Dementia says that COVID-19 can produce seizures and psychoses in some patients and could even leave some survivors predisposed to Alzheimer's or long-term disability. 
Now, it's difficult to figure out the cause of this early in the pandemic, so scientists at the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke need brain tissue from deceased COVID patients to understand this, uh, and it will not be easy to acquire, of course, at first, and they've only recently studied the tissue of 19 patients and found a potential cause. Now, according to the New England Journal of Medicine, the researchers found that very small blood vessels in the brain were leaking sporadically, creating injuries similar to a series of small strokes. And this could explain why COVID patients experience such a wide array of brain-related symptoms. Now, there's still much to be learned about the virus's overall effect on the brain and how it might relate to Alzheimer's. The Alzheimer's Association is beginning an effort to research this long-term, and it will enroll people who are hospitalized for COVID-19. Survivors of COVID-19 elect to hide the virus to avoid stigma. Now, When people receive a COVID-19 diagnosis, they are inundated with concerns about protecting their loved ones and managing symptoms. What many people who recover from COVID-19 don't expect, however, is the isolation and stigma they might face for contracting the virus at all. Some people feel as if others treat their getting the virus as a moral failing. So Harvard epidemiologist Dr. Julia Marquez says that a lot of the media portrays those as taking risks as selfish and irresponsible. People in minority communities can also feel as if they are poor reflections of those groups, as there has been so much coverage of the disproportionate effects of COVID-19 in communities of color. So, to avoid these negative connotations, some survivors of COVID-19 elect not to share their experience with anyone at all or to only tell a few close people. Essential workers sometimes keep the virus from their families to minimize their concerns from them, and some are just simply wary of the shame they will feel if others find out. So, disease-related stigmas do have a long history. There's a great amount of stigma that keeps people from sharing HIV-positive status, for example, or getting tested at all. In fact, one of the things that I tell people when I first make an HIV diagnosis to please tell somebody, you'll be amazed at how many people actually just keep that diagnosis to themselves. And it never fails that when I tell them to tell somebody and they eventually do, they say it is like a weight being lifted off their backs. Okay. So, even sniffing now or coughing in a grocery store can earn a raised eyebrow from others. Evolutionary scientists say that humans might have evolved to avoid people who are obviously ill and some stigma is created by instinct. Now, to combat these stigmas, education is absolutely essential. Minimizing misinformation and inclusive messaging can prevent negative stereotyping for those who have contracted the virus. So, sharing stories from people who have recovered from the virus is also very helpful, and we do that here with our partners at Stanford uh, with an amazing program called Life in Quarantine. We really encourage you to please go and check them out. They're great, and we do enjoy when their stories are right here on COVID Noise Filter. So, stay Stay tuned for those. Patients with disabilities and remote learning for their children. Now, the impacts of the pandemic continue to reveal systemic inequities in the United States. While remote learning has begun to make accommodations for students with disabilities, it is still behind on making accommodations with parents with disabilities. Before the pandemic, when classes were held in person, schools were better equipped to ensure clear communication accommodations for parents with disabilities. The Americans with Disabilities Act requires schools to implement modifications for both students and parents with disabilities. 
Prior to the pandemic, it was easier to make such adjustments through in-person communication settings. Now with virtual learning, that task is more difficult. Now, NPR examines a case with a mom who is deaf and her first grader. The mother uses the American Sign Language, ASL, to communicate with her children. ASL is a visual language that uses hand and facial expressions to convey communication. The mother told NPR that it's been difficult to keep up with her daughter's progress in class. At times, she asks her daughter to tell her what's being said at moments during the class, but she adds that she doesn't want to burden her daughter with too much interpreting during her class time. With the help of advanced technology, improved accommodations has begun to surface. For example, Zoom has a feature in which it auto-generates captions for recorded meetings. There are also downloadable apps which will show a live ASL interpreter on the screen. However, for many disabilities, virtual learning has a lot of work to do to make up the learning environment that is accessible for everyone. The good news is, is that technology continues to advance and expand our abilities to remove learning barriers and to create a better learning environment for us all. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to NoiseFilterShow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.